Saving money on your outdoor project? Now at Menards. We have everything you need to keep your outdoor power equipment running smooth so you can keep that lawn in tip-top shape or enjoy some time on your boat. Right now, all FVP, lawn and garden, and marine batteries are on sale through May 5th. Check out our entire selection of FVP batteries today and view our weekly flyer on Menards.com for more great deals. Save big money at Menards. Welcome to Spotcast. This is episode 48. My name is Tim Mitchell and I'm in Toronto, Ontario, and I'm joined once again by Jaime Lippis Jr. in Seattle, Washington. How's it going? We have Jonathan Kuline on the line from Mr. and Mississauga, Ontario. Hello there. And we also have George Stromalopoulos on the phone from Toronto, I am right? in Toronto today. Hello, everybody. Toronto today. Howdy. Hello, all right, hello. we're eager to get going here. So, Jonathan, do we have any fact check from last week, or is it all mine? Uh, well, actually, I, I did the same process you did and came up with the same two answers. So, uh, you want to flip a coin? Uh, well, there's three answers here, actually. So, all right. Uh, uh, well, I'll the do first the first one... two, and you can do the last one. So, okay. Uh, sure. So, forty-eight uh, forty last episode, uh, we were talking about uh, the Game of Thrones recap, and we were talking about the crimes of Cersei Lannister, and uh, we were talking about the High Sparrow, and we couldn't quite come up with the name of the actor. It was Jonathan Price played uh, the High Sparrow in uh, in Game. Of Thrones, of course, great British actor. Uh, and 10827, we uh, we were talking about Alien, and uh, again, fishing for the name of the uh, the famous uh, spacecraft from that, which was the Nostromo. Right. I think I said Nostromo on the show, but I wasn't. I, I sure think you said that and about four other things. So it's good that you okay, clarified. Well, Nostromo. Yes, the Nostradamus or something. Yeah. Yeah, and we were talking about Wandering Earth last week, and and I I knew that either Jaime or I had had mentioned it, but I kind of discovered it on Netflix a couple last week, I guess, and uh, watched it. So it was on episode 35 that Jaime mentioned the wandering earth to us. All right, cool. So let's go through the headlines. John, you got something? Yeah, so uh, let's let's kick off with uh, news we got. Uh, it was late last week that uh, we may have a, a little little casting on uh, who is going to be the next Batman. So we, we talked about how uh, Ben Affleck is out of the picture and uh, news came out this week. Uh, we got a story link here from Variety that uh, Robert Pattinson, of course, very famously of the, uh, the Twilight franchise, uh, is uh, now in negotiations to play Batman in the uh, in the next uh, incarnation. Of course, they're going with a uh, sort of reboot, soft reboot of that franchise and, and going with a little more of a younger... So uh, what do you guys think of the idea of Robert Pattinson being our Batman? I'm a big fan of that idea. I think it's amazing. I imagine they're, when you say they're going for a softer reboot, it's it, are they trying to do uh, what the Marvel Universe did with Spider-Man and just kind of make it a um, a little bit more, uh, more just lighter, to be honest with you, because the Dark Knight series was the opposite of that. Uh, I think Robert's great because one thing that I want Batman to be is um, a, a bit aloof, and I want him to be quiet, and I want that quiet to be properly earned, and I think Robert Pattinson knows how to do that that it won't take him much work to uh, to be inside his own head and kind of avoid the madness of what's happening around him. Yeah, I think it, it would be good if they could capture a little bit more of the kind of mania that you would have to be to be somebody like Batman. And I, and I could say that I see him playing that maybe better than, than a Ben Affleck or somebody like that. He has that sort of more psychological take on the character that, that could be good. Um, but I'm not sure. I don't know. I, I think maybe he just doesn't feel as... Well, I mean, George, you could tell us you've met the man. 
he he doesn't seem as sort of um, square jawed as that sort of stereotype type of Batman in my mind. Yeah, he doesn't look like the drawing. That is for sure. Um, but I think that what what he's got is the eyes, and those eyes are going to pierce through that mask. And I think uh, Robert Pattinson would be really good. I but I mean, keep this in mind. I didn't. I I liked Michael Keaton as Batman. I was fine with Clooney. I was uh, totally fine with uh, with uh, with um, the other guy. And I love Ben Val Kilmer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the other I like guy. them all. I like them all. Um, so uh, and Christian Bale, of course. So I, I I like when different actors bring different things to Batman. My, my thing about any of these superhero stories, any of these Marvel or DC Universe things, is it doesn't really bother me if it isn't exactly as I want it to be because I know they're just going to do it again in a year and a half. So they're yeah. always giving us different versions. It's always being rebooted, and they're taking over ninety six percent of the screens in any particular theater. So there is no business without Marvel and DC. So I just like, all right, they'll do this one and it'll be different and then we'll get another one. Uh, to me, basically all these, you know, this Robert Pattinson, this is fan fiction. This is fanfic version of Batman. It's when all the Twilight fans freaked out when, oh my God, we got, we got Bobby back. And I think, I think that's going to work out fine for them. Yeah. I guess it's an interesting thing. Are we also hating on Ben Affleck no, now? I like ben Affleck. Well, I would Ben. I, I'm a big Ben Affleck fan. <laughs> I like Affleck too. Although I, I did find his portrayal a little, a little wooden. And I did think, I mean, he didn't have great material to work with. We've, we've talked about that in the past and we don't want to drag that one back out of the, the shadows too but uh i'll be happy if batman doesn't have you know large weapons or murder multiple people in this version that's, that's what true, i'm looking for yeah, yeah. i think it's about time they did a good detective movie i think that's the part that's really been missing I, i've been reading those books since i was a kid and and you know the the they really have never done a great batman as detective story i, I think you know i could see robert pattinson playing a very noirish batman and doing it that way he worked like he, he works really well in david cronenberg films so i expect him to work well in uh in this i think you're right too i think he's a more introspective kind of guy but not in a wooden sense he's thoughtful and i and i think that i think it'll just be different if they went for another superstar who like, if you think about clooney and keaton christian bale's in his own world and that's a whole different series but uh keaton is odd too but like clooney and and um ben they're they're stars in the more traditional hollywood sense and i don't think robert is that kind of a star even though he was enormous he's not that kind of a star yeah. mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And i think that's yeah valuable. i would think of him more as a serious not not a, a star so much as an actor, right? Like yeah. the difference. Exactly. I, I, feel, I agree with that. Yeah. All right. All right. What's next, John? Uh, so a couple trailers we got this week. Uh, we got our first look at HBO's adaptation of His Dark Materials, uh, which, of course, is a, a very famous and very popular book series, um, otherwise known as The Golden Compass. Um, and Ooh, that one, yeah. Yeah, it looks really kind of interesting. I must admit, I've never read those books. They are sort of marketed for YA, but I think in that world of YA, like so many other, the, the Harry Potter is the Divergence uh, Twilights we talked about. Um, they sort of have a crossover appeal, and uh, to have HBO do the adaptation, you know, it's it's kind of exciting to see what, what they could do with it. And the trailer looks really cool. I have no idea what's happening in it, uh, but I know from looking at it that it looks really cool and atmospheric, and I know that there's a, a really good list of actors in there as well. So it, I think it looks pretty cool. Have you guys had a chance to give that a look? Um, yeah, I saw this. I, I want to say when I streamed the finale of Game of Thrones, I think this is the trailer that showed before That's it. Right. Uh, or maybe immediately after or something. And uh, I immediately noticed uh, this is going to need a fact check or, or real-time follow-up. Uh, X-23 from Logan. That's is, exactly right. Daphne Keene. Well, there you go. No fact check now. Real-time follow-up. Yep. <laughs> so, yeah. It, it looks interesting. I've also, like uh, some others, I, I have not read the books. I think I sort of half-watched the Golden Compass movie that came out maybe a decade ago. Uh-huh. Uh, but this looks like a, a very cool uh, it also, different take it on it. It also has Ruth Wilson in it as Marissa. And Ruth is easily one of the best actors in the whole world. 
and uh, everything, most recently Luther and the affair. But when, yep. if you have Ruth Wilson and James McAvoy as your leads, it's, and, and of course they got Lynn manuel Miranda as well. So that's, yeah. it's a really killer lineup of performers. So I, I don't think, and again, they didn't go for obvious stars. I think, I think the casting alone is what's going to make this uh, incredibly watchable. Yeah. Uh, no, it look, it sounds like it's going to be really good. So uh, they haven't released a date. It just, it's still listed as 2019, but, um, but I mean, coming this year, this is exciting. This looks really cool. They need, they need something for the post game of Thrones world. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, and, and no coincidence. They were pimping that out, uh, right, right during game of Thrones, uh, final episode, by the way, don't cancel your subscription. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Too late. Yeah. <laughs> Spoilers for some of the other trailers. When we saw the dates, I was like, Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm going to go ahead and cancel now. Then. <laughs> All right. Uh, and the other trailer that we got this week that I was really cool was, uh, the first full trailer for the CW's Batwoman series. So, uh, we obviously knew this was coming. They did the backdoor pilot in the fall with the, uh, the crossover series and the CW, uh, DC universe shows and, uh, and a, a really cool looking trailer for this too. Uh, obviously set, set up, uh, the first, uh, we talked about this last week, uh, the first, uh, LGBTQ, uh, main character in one of these shows and, uh, and a really neat sort of atmosphere to it. So, uh, I was really excited about that. Uh, what do you guys think? So I, I know they toss around these, these, um, superheroes and change identities and stuff like that throughout the books and stuff like that. But to me, Batwoman is always, or Batgirl, I guess is what I'm thinking of. So this is a different character, right? Yeah, this yeah. is a yeah. different iteration. Right. right. So is this, is this character from the books like, or is this something they've made up for the movie kind of thing? No, no, she's a character from the DC universe. Um, you know, yeah. th- and there's been some actually really, really excellent Batwoman comic books over the last decade or so. Um, and from my, what I've read of it, and that's a decent amount of stuff, it looks pretty bang on. Um, they've obviously sort of concocted this world wherein she has sort of assumed the mantle in lieu of Bruce Wayne. Uh, obviously in the comic books, <laughs> there's, there's, they're never going to cancel Batman because Batman's Batman. Um, so she exists in parallel, but in this, uh, the idea is that she's, uh, you know, Bruce has gone missing or left Gotham unattended. So therefore she sort of takes up the mantle and, and, uh, and runs with it in her own way. And, uh, and it looks really cool. And Ruby Rose, of course, is going to be the star. So, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm in, I'm in. So she mentions her uncle. Is she like, she's the niece of Batman or? Uh, I think she's supposed to be cousin, first cousin. Cousin. Yeah, oh, yeah. cousin she's, she's Kate Kane. Yeah, right. And, um, and there was the crossover in Arrow, right? Was where I think this whole thing started. Yeah. And, and this yeah. is what gives us the spinoff. Yeah. So, uh, if, I guess if you add it up, I mean, now we're, we're sort of balancing it out. There's cause Arrow is going to be off the air only 10 episodes, uh, in its final season next year. Uh, so this will sort of assume its place in the lineup. So, uh, yeah, we'll have Supergirl and Batwoman and Flash and Legends of Tomorrow as the four, uh, sort of pinnacles of the, uh, of the DC pillars, universe. Pillars. pillars. And, there you go. Pillars. Nancy yeah. Drew. And Nancy Drew. I know that's not yeah. technically Zyphar <laughs> And Veronica fantasy. Mars. Don't forget Veronica oh, no, Mars. That's on Hulu. <laughs> that's coming and, out of the Hulu. Uh, and Dora the Explorer is coming back. That's yeah. true. Wait, that's are these true. all part of the Arrowverse? Because I really only follow <laughs> Supergirl. And, and when they do the crossovers, you know, one week a year. So. Nancy Drew is not part of the, the, uh, the as far as I understand it anyway, the um, that no, I was just picking up women, women characters. Um, so my, my tweet here. So I saw this tweet and, I, and it was going to be a running theme throughout the show, but like, you know, what, whether you're on side or off side with this, with this uh, latest season, but uh, this, this, and I basically put this in order that I found it and this is well before the, the final episode aired, but this is from Stephen King and he uh, offering his opinion, you know, as, you know, discerning writer of fiction and whatever uh, about his position of Game of Thrones. He says he loves it. He loves that Danny going bug shit over King's Landing. Um, and he says, he, even though there's a lot of negativity, he sort of said like 
his, his position is that people are hating on it because they just don't want it to end, which is kind of interesting. So uh, I think I think we'll get deep into that in our uh, in our main for today because I think we all have a take on on how this all wrapped up. But uh, you know, he's not wrong. I think a lot of people get really bent out of shape at anything coming to a conclusion, and, and we've seen that play out. You know, you can name the finales, even finales that were pretty good. You know, the the Breaking Bad's and the Mad Men, and you know, Lost, and you know, people just uh, you know they build these things up in their head and they're never satisfied and and they do get frustrated and they they work themselves into a frenzy you know i'll be interested to see how many people come back at this 10 years from now and and see how they feel about it then right right we get the brand spinoff right yeah right i mean you got something for us yeah speaking of uh, spinoffs or likely like i did say sequels or or prequels i guess the uh, dark crystal age of resistance for netflix we have uh we have some photos and and they look great because it reminds me of exactly what i saw from jim henson's creature shop way back in the 80s yeah and this is coming out this summer right august that's a good oh thank you thank you yeah yeah. i couldn't remember when but it looks like like it's pretty spot on hopefully you know if this is a good sign that they're going to capture the spirit of that movie alicia Alicia vikander simon Pegg, elena bonham carter all probably and i agree those photos looked amazing because we don't ever get to see that um everything is so heavily cgi now that when you you look at some of these 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 models and these characters like well this is a throwback this is going to be really fun yeah Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah it's such a distinctive vision like there really has not been i mean maybe labyrinth a little bit because of the same creature house but boy it really has a unique look it really takes you to that universe right away yeah yeah as excited as i was before it just a little more and the more they show the more i want and yeah, now i have to go back and watch dark crystal i don't even remember what it was about i mean I vaguely remember but yeah I, I might have it here in three or four different formats if you want to borrow yeah, one sure can I, or can I, it, yeah. I would like the laser disc please <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What's next, Jaime? Next, we have the Westworld Season 3 trailer, which, spoilers, they say coming in 2020. So I said, yep, I can go ahead and <laughs> not hang on to HBO for the moment. Um, but it's Look basically... Look the money you're saving, Jaime. Think of all the money you're saving. Well, he's going to put that into other streaming services that are coming. Yeah, That's like true. CBS All Access, for example, like, we'll, we'll get my money inevitably, you know, with, with other things we're going to talk about. Did, did I hear that Aaron Paul is being cast in Season 3? That's right. Jesse Pinkston from Breaking Bad is the main character of this trailer, at the very least. I don't know what his role will be in season three. So I've only watched the first half of season one, and uh, I just stayed away from it for whatever reason, and then um, I was busy watching all the other shows. And then I started to watch it, and I thought, this show is fantastic. And then I paused because everybody said season two sucked. And I thought, I don't want to invest so much into season one if season two is that bad. Can anybody corroborate or or counter It wasn't that bad. It It was different. I mean, the first season was amazing. Yeah. Um, and I, I even went back and watched the old uh, James Brolin and I forgot the name of the other, the other Benjamin Dan, ben, so not Ben, John Benjamin, David Benjamin, uh, original movie with uh, um, Yul Brenner as the as the, the robot, um, and that was really cool. But but uh, yeah, it, the second the second season was different, but it wasn't horrible, right? Well, the first season was predicated kind of on a mystery, and the second season, once that mystery bubble had burst, I think a lot of people were looking for what was the great next mystery, and they tried to sort of work in a new mystery but it didn't have the same payoff yeah. mm-hmm. and i think yeah, that it was definitely. again i think it was expectations right once you put something on the table and we just talked about that for game of thrones once people had that on the table and then they were looking for something that was going to build on that it's it's hard it's hard work doing that kind of stuff building on something that you know has that kind of greatness to it uh and i don't think a lot of people were satisfied with where it went although you're right tim i think it was really good mm. it's, it's like kind of mr robot too once once you've seen season one what can they do how can they top that right yeah you know like 
Fight Club kind of stuff. All right. And you have some sad news from you, Jonathan. Yeah, it's sad here. news for you, Tim. And I know that uh, there are fans. I, I must admit, I've only watched one episode of the series. But uh, we got the news this week that uh, Humans uh, is done. So AMC's uh, uh, sci-fi series. Of, done. They're not even doing a season four. No. Right? Uh, yeah. Season, season three was pretty season bad. Three. Yeah, well, there you go. Maybe that was the reason. Uh, but yeah, they, we got news that it's not going to be back. Uh, so I guess it's been airing on uh, Channel 4 in the state in uh, the UK as well. And uh, so they've decided not to not to put any more money into that. So it's done. Yeah, it was a good show. I really enjoyed that. Yeah. Did you enjoy all of it or just parts of it? Well, like I said, the, the first couple of seasons were really good. Um, but, you know, and, and the, the characters, who, the, the actors who play the robots were really, really spot on. Even even the girl that went, who's the girl from um, Black Panther, the, the crazy scientist sister? She played, I think I told oh, you she Letitia played. Oh, Letitia Wright? Yeah, she played a kid that was so enamored with the robots that she actually, you know, kind of identified with them so much that she even wore blue contacts and became like acted like she was a robot mm. kind of thing or a human, whatever they call uh, them. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, read, and it was, it, I read that, they were always trying to find their identities and the, I think that was who they are and their creator and all that kind of stuff. And it just, it got kind of weird, you know. I, I read the quote from the crew, one of the creators who said that uh, he recognizes that there were some cliffhanger endings and that there were a lot of threads that were left hanging. So maybe one day they'll be able to fix it uh, and answer those questions. And they asked that if anybody out there had any money, I think they, they said a few million quid um, and you like AI that they're all available to do it again. So some basically there's enough tech people out there who are in, interested in this who can afford that in a heartbeat. So uh, so humans is only yeah. gone off channel four. Yeah. Oh, true. That's true. Yeah. 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 Cool. Needs a save the expanse style campaign. Yeah. Right. For the, for the fans. It, it, it's, it's doable. I mean, Amazon picked up that one. Right. Yep. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Where was that? So just, where was that when my Firefly went off the air? Right. Yeah. But then we got Serenity. That's true. That's yep. true. That's yep. true. So I just finished reading Eric Isle's uh, uh, autobiography, and he talks a lot about spam a lot, so which leads us into our next story, mm-hmm. in a manner of speaking. Yeah, so uh, in the fine tradition of uh, turning uh, a movie and other properties into uh, a musical theater, they're doing a Back to the Future musical because, yes! you know, because money. Because uh, money. Oh, because yeah. money. Um, so this had been rumored for a while, and it is an interesting idea. Uh, it is now confirmed. It's happening. Uh, they're doing a 12-week engagement starting in February 2020 in London's West End. Um, I guess if you think about it, the movie does certainly have a lot of musical cues. Obviously, the Huey Lewis songs are very uh, key. Yeah, Johnny Be Good, yeah. And the Johnny Be Good piece and the you know the dance scene at the end between uh, his parents. There are certainly musical cues, uh, but I'll be curious to see how they roll that whole thing into a an entire musical. Uh, any thoughts on whether that would make your radar for something to go to the theater for? I, it's, I mean, it's so it's Alan Silvestri who did who composed the original in Back to the Future, but it's also Glenn Ballard, uh, who's an incredible songwriter, who is working with Alan on this. So I, I think it's going to be neat just to watch them reimagine some of this because um, they're next level. It is Bob Zemeckis and and, uh, and it's also uh, Bob Gale who are putting this together. Yep. Um, uh, which I think is not, didn't they try to do this a bunch of years ago and couldn't get it? They run? did. Yeah, they they had talked about it in 2012 that it was something that they were working on, and then they actually scheduled it a, a premiere date, but it never happened. And it had sort of really been off the radar. I think everybody thought that idea was dead. And then it popped up this week as not only is it being resurrected, but it's being resurrected in like eight months. So wow. that's a pretty dramatic change from where they left it. Dude, can you, it's a playing in Manchester, I think, right? And then, and which yeah. is one of the great musical cities in the world. So I uh, I can't wait to see who would pop on stage. Maybe they'll have guests like in Toronto when they do the Nutcracker and yeah. uh, they have all these strange guests <laughs> appear in the party scene. This is what I'm hoping for in Manchester. Sean Ryder, Noel Gallagher, Liam Gallagher. 
Gallagher. I think this is going to be great. <laughs> just not at the same time. You oh, can't put them on the stage at the same time. That is certainly true. Well, yeah. yeah. Well, again, who knows? There, there have been a lot of hits made out of these things, these other properties. And I guess the investment of all those those key players, it could be good. Yeah, and it's Ollie Dobson, right? So Ollie was in A Bat Out of Hell. Um, mm-hmm. so, uh, so this person knows how he knows how to do this. That's playing the Michael J. Fox role of, uh, of, of Marty. So clearly uh, it is really high power talent. And I've, mm-hmm. seen, I've seen a bunch of these musicals where they've recreated uh, IP and uh, most of them have failed. This one I think is actually going to be really fun. And I, I just saw um, Mike, Michael J. Fox the other day and we were talking a bit about it and uh, I, they think it's cool. He thinks it's going to be cool. Nice. Yeah. Uh, our next bit, this dropped today. So I don't know if you guys had a chance to look at this. So uh, we got this information from Vanity Fair. Vanity Fair dropped and they do this. It seems every movie that comes out, Star Wars movies coming out, they send Andy Leibovitz to the set. She takes portraits and does set photos. And then they do uh, the sort of insider scoop piece on what's going to be some of the things going on in, in the new movie. So they're doing this for, uh, of course, the, la- uh, the, the, the last Skywalker. What's it called? Rise, rise of, Skywalker. of Skywalker. I want to call it Last Skywalker, but that was the last movie. Last Rise of The Rise of Skywalker. of Skywalker. Some Return of the Son of Skywalker. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, and so the pictures are beautiful. I don't know if you guys have had a chance to look at those. Of course, Andy is one of the most talented photographers in the world. Uh, but there's also kinds of little bits of news in here. So, you know, they talk about, you know, uh, you know they talk to uh, Isaacs. They talk to uh, Adam Driver about, you know, what's going on in, in uh, Kylo Ren's head. They talk to Daisy Ridley about, you know, Ray's journey. Uh, we got some clarity now. We know that it takes place a year after the events of Last Jedi. Uh, so, you know, some interesting stuff mixed in here with some some pretty cool photos and then uh, some pictures that sort of show some new characters and some new locales. Uh, it's a nice little 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 sneak preview. Yeah, so it looks like I have to buy several different covers. And yeah, of course you do. As usual. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What did you guys think of all this? Uh, there's some, the, the weird horses seem to be back. Weird horses? Where is that? Uh, if you scroll down in the link in the, that I put in the show notes, if you scroll down, there's yeah. a picture of oh, uh, yeah, John Boyega oh, yeah, and, um, yeah. and another actor. And her name, that woman with the name. Yeah, yeah. who are uh, riding these sort of weird horsey beasts with tusks. Uh, yeah, it's, it's again, I mean, the visuals look really cool. Um, there are some sort of little sneak preview stuff in here, but uh, is it whet your appetite for anything more? Or did, you know, you guys are, I don't have to ask the, the three of you, you guys are locked for tickets anyways, <laughs> but uh, do you think that uh, anything in here intrigue you? I just think it's interesting that they came back so quickly because they thought they were going to put the whole Star Wars universe on pause for a moment uh, after mm-hmm. Solo. And uh, I guess they felt like they very quickly hit um, saturation in the market. But I talked to some people who are who are closer to it all, and they realized that the studio just really messed up the the, the solo launch. And they think that if it was done a little bit differently, that that movie uh, would have had a bigger audience, and then they would have maintained the output pace that they were on. And so there were a lot of people who thought that Star Wars would just pause for a moment. Um, yeah. And something changed internally, clearly, when they realized that, they, that, that they, there's a market and an appetite for this now. But we've talked about it on this uh, pod before about the idea of sort of Star Wars exhaustion, the idea that they're rolling yeah. out a movie a year as opposed to one every three years the way that they had over some of the other uh, parts of the franchise, George. What, what do you, what's your take on the idea that it's too much of a good thing? I don't think it's... I think if your quality is high, you're, you're going to just continue to do it. You know, I mean, how many Spider-Mans have come out? Even, you know, the, the Spider-Man universe has changed dramatically watching the Avengers thing. I, I personally uh, am fatigued beyond belief on, on most of it. Um, <laughs> uh, what I'm looking for now is something really different. I think the conversation around Logan showed that there was an appetite for a different kind of film. And I don't, I don't think Star Wars did different enough. And I think that they kind of fell behind the Guardians 
and the Avengers plan, which was the, these were funnier movies. The audience wanted the same kind of thing. Star Wars didn't deliver that. So I think that Star Wars has got to find a way to keep up because that's what people want to see currently if they want to play in that space. Because just to say Star Wars, it'll get them a huge bunch of money, but it won't it won't be the two billionaire, which is what everybody's posting now is the mark. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I, I totally get why there's fatigue because I don't think the, show, the movies are that different and they're not that funny. And this is what people seem to want when they when they get into a sci-fi and fantasy. Yeah. And they're also, I think it's the issue, I think even with Avengers, which is extremely fantastical, there is a grounding to it. You know, they, they do try and keep a human element. I think the, the, the Star Wars movies in the last few have felt very distant, very on a different plane and not necessarily grounded in, in as you say, humor and character and, and those things. It, it's very much about the universe. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that they um, are being forced to do the one thing they've never had to do before, which is to do a complete rethink because they've been able to just trade off the Star Wars thing for a long time. And now they're going to have to figure this. You, you talked about it, how there are new characters, uh, new animals, new worlds. Like they, They've clearly realized that there has to be more um, because the, the name alone isn't going to be enough. Yeah. And, and we'll talk about it as we get into the Game of Thrones discussion. But uh, yeah, the next movies that are coming in the Star Wars universe after this are created by Benioff and Weiss. Yeah. So <laughs> that'll be interesting to see what the reaction is to those, given how uh, the reaction to Game of Thrones finished up. So uh, a couple more things just to wrap us up on our headlines. Uh, this one made me laugh. So we're getting promotion for Stranger Things season three. And one of the things that they're doing is some promotional crossover. So apparently these are not uh, cash changing hands. They're not necessarily product placement. But as Stranger Things Season 3 returns on Netflix on the 4th of July, uh, they're setting it in 1985. One of the big events of 1985 was New Coke. Woo! Yeah. Which doesn't need to come back ever, please. So, in the spirit of that, the good folks at Coca-Cola are bringing back New Coke. The actual Coke recipe yeah. and all that nonsense? The actual New Coke smoother recipe oh. from 1985 will... This be- is like bringing disco back. I'm sorry, I have to object. <laughs> it will be available for a limited time this summer. Uh, actually, I think it's available starting now and through the summer uh, as part of a sort of a, cr- a promotional crossover because they expect so many people who never had a chance to experience New Coke will and wonder what the big deal it. was and will want to run to the store and get a New Coke. Tim, are you going to crack one open just to test it to see if you're if uh, if you feel the same? You know, I, I might. I mean, I, I grew up on Coke. I used to like buy a big one of those big bottles of Coke every day yeah. and just, you know, go hang out at the park and do other things with, you know, that I need to quench my thirst right, for. That's right. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I the new Coke was just it was. We were glad it went it away be- and they brought back. It was Coke a betrayal. Classic, they called Coke Classic. It right? was a betrayal when it happened. Um, it was. <laughs> yeah. It was. If, yeah. if New Coke had had launched in the era of Twitter, people would have just been oh, killing themselves, it. birthing kittens, and like the anger would be so enormous. Um, but you remember the Onion article a little while back that said the U.S. Department of Retro warns that we are quickly running out of past and. Yeah. This is, where, this is where we're at when New Coke is coming back as a positive. Yep. I mean, are you old enough to remember New Coke? Yeah, I was going to tell Tim, it was like some of us are old enough to remember Crystal Pepsi oh, yeah. came out in the 90s. <laughs> However, uh, given my age, I cannot confirm nor deny whether I've ever had New Coke because I really don't remember what happened when I was like five. Do so so we know what year that was that it came 85. out? 85. 85 was the year of, oh, of New 85. Coke. Yeah. So I was four. <laughs> so maybe... Did you ever have Sarasota's or Zima, the other amazing... Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Something different? Yeah, yeah. I've had Zima. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> but we have some real-time follow-up here. Uh, the actress that we're trying to remember the name of, is her name is Naomi Aki, and she plays a character called Jana in the new Rise of Star Wars. Oh, there you go. Oh, she's the one in the portrait with, uh, in the picture with Return John Boyega. Of the yeah. son of yeah. John Skywalker. Yeah, yeah. that one. Yeah. 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 Cool. Uh, Jana. And our last bit, uh, I just wanted to call your attention because I know, I don't know if you guys have had a chance to catch up with this yet, but uh, Into the Spider-Verse, the uh, Academy Award-winning Best Animated Picture from this year, mm-hmm. is coming to Netflix next month. Uh, Yay! It was I get one to watch of, the end of it. I saw half of it on the plane yeah. on the Hawaii, way to Hawaii. But uh, I, I loved it. it. I, this was one of my very favorite movies. Probably my second favorite movie of last year, maybe even my favorite movie of last year. So uh, I'm I'm excited to watch it again, and I, I encourage you guys and everybody else to watch it. I loved it. Uh, you may not know this, but the Strombo show starts almost every episode with the beginning soundtrack mm-hmm. from that movie. That is correct. Nice. That is correct. Uh, Mike Sullivan, who's our, uh, been our engineer, I've been working with him for almost 15 years. This is uh, Spider-Man is his life. Spider-Man in boxing at Sully's Boxing Gym in Toronto. Uh, <laughs> and so uh, he is always uh, trying to find a fit that in. Nice. <laughs> I loved it. I, I got to be honest with you. I loved it so much. And I, I, I've been so bored of uh, superhero movies of late. Um, I, have my, I have a major criticism of most of them, most of them, which is that none of the characters are real in that uh, Thor is Tony Stark is all the other characters is in that it's, you know, kind of funny, kind of whatever. There's no real character rules for them anymore. Mm. Hulk has no mm-hmm. character. They're just the same guy skinned differently. Um, when I watched the Spider-Man in the, the Spider-Verse, that was a completely true telling of that world. I thought yeah. it was so strong. Um, and and, and, and f- even if you weren't fans of this kind of stuff, you, you would love it because it, it had a, it had a story truth and a character truth that most modern films don't do uh, mm-hmm. in this world. I, I felt very similar to you, George, but I, for me, it was the animation. Oh, it's crazy. I, cool. I love Pixar and I love DreamWorks and I love the work that those studios do, but I felt like there was a, a homogeny of animated work yep. that has really taken over the last few years. And this was the first thing that really broke out for me. It was such a dynamic and interesting. It was truly a comic book come to life. And for me, that was the, the real breath of fresh air. You're right. It was a great human story. It was a, it was really uh, well told in that way. But for me, it was just such a unique visual storytelling experience. Yeah, it looked really cool. I agree. Had they not done that kind of thing in the books before, John? Uh, do you mean the story or the... or the? Well, the sort of like coming out from left field with this sort of idea. Yeah, yeah. Because wasn't this a sort of unique way of telling the Spider-Man story? Yeah, I mean, Miles Morales, the, the lead character from the book, is a character in comics and has been for a while. Uh, so they've sort of adapted that. And, and even the idea of the Spider-Verse has been done in comics uh, in that form. Not that exact story, of course. But there is the idea that uh, each universe has its own incarnation of Spider-Man. The story, the person might be different, but the story is the same. It's the idea of with great power comes great responsibility. There's usually a tragedy that helps spark them to realize that they have a responsibility to do the right thing. Uh, And sort of that's the theme that runs through this movie. And it's the theme that runs through those comic books. There are different iterations where there's a female spider uh, character or there's, you know, one who uh, like Miles is is biracial. Um, There are ones that have, you know, different backstories. There are ones set in the past or the future. Um, But this one, it really brought uh, a really vivid and and very, very likable character together with Miles and then a really fun supporting cast, uh, including a very funny Nick Cage uh, moment as well. So uh, it really just sort of combined in a lot of the same way, like it it did the right thing. Everybody at this point knows the Spider-Man story. So it tells you the Spider-Man story in about 10 seconds. Yeah. And just lets the story be what it is. In the same way that Batman should never be retold again, just take it for granted that we have a certain amount of 
knowledge to bring to the table. And and it was it was great. They didn't beat us over the head. They just told a good story. Yeah, cool. And now you can watch it on Netflix. Yay. <laughs> yeah, I was wondering about that. And then I realized it's probably Sony's property yeah. under the movie rights. Yep. I, I thought about the same thing because I know we talked about how uh, Disney's contract is expiring and they're not going to put Captain Marvel on Netflix and the, the, the deal is up. And I thought, oh, that's funny. I thought that wasn't the night it occurred to me the exact same thing. Oh, yeah, that's right. It's not a Marvel movie. No. <laughs> oh, right. Okay. And Sony's not coming out with their own channel soon? Oh, I'm sure they are. I'm sure they'll be part- Push Tim, they'll hear you. I'm sure it'll yeah. be part of the complete rethink of the PS5 or whatever they end up calling it. This is, <laughs> well, this they is- have their own production studio, right, George? Yeah, they do, and they have that. They have Sony Pictures Classics. They have their own distribution. They have this, this rethink, or everybody's talking about the rethink of this unit. I think that this unit, if they do it right, could be a real game changer. And, and maybe, maybe this is where Sony launches their, their OTT player. I haven't heard any rumors to suggest that, but I'm sure they could build something into that unit. Yeah. Well, Jaime's uh, well on his way to collecting them all, at least for a month at a time. So nice. Yeah, Thanos style. I've, <laughs> I've had just about all the darn streaming services. And there's new ones we talk about all the time. I think at least once a month, we're like, oh, guess what? This other company is starting a streaming service. Yeah, we missed you last week, buddy. We, we talked about another, like the Disney complete acquisition of the, the powers over Hulu and yeah. all kinds of stuff. And I was thinking, oh, I may should be here for this. <laughs> now, yeah. don't the Marvel properties that were on Netflix, isn't there a part of, isn't there a condition which says they can't be repurposed on on another OTT player? So I don't even think Disney is able to, at least for seven years or something like that? It, it was two. It was two it was, two year contract that basically says it's an exclusive to Netflix for two years after the completion of the final series. So I assume that's Jessica Jones. Right. So once Jessica Jones wraps, it's a two year uh, moratorium on those those characters. Okay. Right. Do we have a new season, season coming up for Jessica Jones? Yeah, that will be the final Marvel Netflix crossover. On, oh, Netflix. Oh, okay. Yeah, so that'll be the last one and then once that's done, they'll exist as they are and there won't be any more. And they're selling off props. I saw a story last week, they're selling off the props for uh, Daredevil, which made me sad because wow. I guess they're either going to make new ones if they come back to it or go somewhere completely different with it. So for someone like me who's never seen a single episode of Daredevil, where do I, where do I have to go now to see it? it? It's staying on Netflix. They're not taking it off at, that I know of uh, because they own, they co-own, they co-produced it, right? So for them, they'll keep it on there as long as it's doing oh, well okay. ratings-wise. I wonder if at some point they will just kibosh it because uh, it is the enemy at a certain point. Mm-hmm. But then their financial investment in it, if it, again, if it's bringing revenue, yeah. they'll keep it going. Yeah. So before we move on to the to the Game of Thrones, I, I'm curious since I got George here. Um, George, what do you think about this death by a thousand cuts of having to have 27 subscriptions to all these different services? You know, we all wanted our we all wanted our cable services to be a little bit more open in terms of what we could watch. But now it just seems like we're going to spend way more money on TV shows than we were before. We we and we always were, guys, because um, in Canada, especially, all the TV players who were losing audience on network are also the same people who control your access to the internet. They're all the ISPs. So they were never in a million years going to let us get away with anything. And everybody started to champion the idea of a la carte cable. But this is all this is, is a la carte. And if you start looking at the, the new prices for Netflix, they went up like three or four bucks, right? Mm-hmm. You, It's going to cost you triple to have all this stuff. And if somebody doesn't figure out sports rights properly, I know Dazen's doing it, but if somebody doesn't figure out sports rights properly, if you want to get your NBA package, your NFL, NHL and all that, it's going to cost you a fortune. And, th- and all that's going to do is drive an enormous amount of people right back to downloading. They're going to find their, their mm-hmm. own system. And I know there's tons of free streamers out there right now uh, and, and third-party um, hardware pieces that you can watch all these channels. And they had an opportunity to be consumer-friendly, and they just decided no, 
not to be. And people are going to have to choose one or the other and share passwords like all my friends do. Yep. Shh. <laughs> <laughs> so what, do you, what does that do for you, Jaime, in the States with the sports packages and stuff? Yeah, um, live sports was a big reason why I kept Comcast uh, as the TV provider for a very long time. Uh, since moving um, almost almost a year ago, I've over the last several months been using YouTube TV for largely the same kind of functionality, but way nicer. And it's also something I can just easily shut off without having to call customer support, wait for an hour and beg to turn off my account. Right. Oh, so right. Okay. Yeah. There's, a, there's a, an aspect to it where you know, even what though I'm not very you? happy that it will be $10 more in like three weeks from now, um, I have the option of switching over to like Hulu's live TV package for that sort of thing. And so hoping competition of some sort will keep that relatively sane, even though I, I do fully acknowledge that live sports are a huge, huge money driver for, for live TV. And so I imagine I will always have to pay or do without. Mm-hmm. So what is, what does YouTube TV cost you in the States? I want to say it's like 40 bucks right now is going up to 50 in the next wow. billing cycle. Wow. How many channels yeah, they do you added, get with they that? Added a few more channels. Sorry. How many channels is that? Like a bazillion. It's, it's a huge number. It's yeah. pretty comparable to a, a cable TV package, except you don't really have to play games to get the full HD quality. And with YouTube in particular, it's really good about giving you unlimited uh, PVR capability. Right. So there's like no reason not to just like tap the plus sign on anything that you're even vaguely remotely oh, interested in great. watching. That's great. So what do you do in the States, George, when you're down there? Um, like, le- like legally, I use Apple TV and oh. that's all I'm going to say. Um, <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> I have, uh, yes, I watch, uh, yeah, I, um, I, I try not to watch too much television there except most of the stuff I'm watching is on Netflix uh, and, and Amazon Prime and I'm using my Apple TV to connect me to all of that stuff. So I'm, I'm using it that way. Um, I have, I just signed up for the YouTube premium version up here, but I have not switched to YouTube TV. Um, I didn't really spend that much time uh, truthfully looking into it, but now that you're saying that, that, that sounds interesting to me. I might look at it. I'm, I, I have my cable package here, which I'm waiting and my cable package will be canceled the moment the Raptors get eliminated. So it's, <laughs> I only have cable in, in, in my home in Toronto right now for the NBA playoffs. And as soon as that's over, I, uh, I'm, and I hope that's another two and a half weeks, um, I'm going to, I'm going to cancel my cable right after that. All right. Mental cool. note, talk Raptors with George in after show. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. We should have talked. We should open with the Raptors. We like we did last week. That's true. Um, seemed to do, seemed to do well for them. Actually, actually they lost last week when we talked about them. So maybe they did. Maybe they we were should've. winning. You, you called me out and asked how they were doing. I'm like, well, they're winning in the third. Yeah. They collapsed and lost, but still yeah. they're, they've, mm-hmm. they've drawn back. They're back even again. So we'll oh, see. Absolutely. So yeah. fun. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to our, the main part of our show here today, which is talk about Game of Thrones, the finale. Oh my God. I can't believe it's over the Iron Throne. So we pick up where we left off. Uh, King's Landing's a wreck. Uh, uh, the Unsullied are, are murdering their prisoners in the streets. Uh, John is aghast. Tyrion is aghast. Uh, Tyrion goes and discovers his brother and his sister are dead. Jamie and Cersei are dead. Uh, Daenerys gives a speech that looks very much like something that uh, Hitler or Mussolini would have done, mm-hmm. uh, and saying that she's going to uh, take over the rest of the world uh, and free, free the rest of the world from the tyr- uh, tyranny uh, tyranny of, of uh, other people. Uh, yeah, sure. Tyrion says, uh, "Yeah, not I'm not on board with that," and throws away his uh, his hand. hand symbol and uh, and is arrested. He ends up basically being imprisoned. 
imprisoned as a, as a traitor. Uh, John and uh, John has a discussion with Tyrion and has a discussion with Arya about you know uh, the the turn of events and what they've just witnessed, and uh, then has this very very amazing scene where they they're basically in the throne room. Daenerys has the the vision just like her vision from season two, where she walks into the throne room and you know the the ash is falling and she walks over to the throne and this time she actually puts her hand on the Iron Throne and she gets this sort of maniacal look on her face that she's, she's almost licking her lips. You know? Yeah, like she's she's really into it. And then John shows up before she can sit down. They talk about you know what what this means and and what she's done. And uh, in in a in a scene that only one of us could have predicted last week, uh, John stabs her and, and kills her before she can carry out her. So wait, plans. they they embrace right? So George, we always have this issue with Jonathan because he can see through plot lines <laughs> right. like hours ahead of the rest of <laughs> right. us. But so I called it last embraced, week. I'd like to point out I called the exactly what happened in last week's episode. Really? I did. Oh, okay. You said what's going to happen, and I said John is going to kill Danny, and then he's going to end up in the North. I had no yeah, idea but, how. See, I, and knew, I did I, not call Bran, but I did call those two things. I th- I knew yeah. he was going to kill Danny, but I I loved how John uh, did the right thing. He gave her every opportunity. Yeah. Every opportunity, and then John got banished to the North, um, which is exactly what was going to happen because what's real life like, guys? Real life is no good deed goes unpunished, and if you do it honorably right. and you do it right, you're going to get screwed in the end, and it, it, he ends up right back where he started because that's how the world really works, and yeah. I, I love that mm-hmm. they did that to John. Yeah. So I, I want to circle back to that. It's a, it's a really good point, George. I'm going to circle back to that. So so the there's the death scene, uh, which, which then leads to Drogon, the dragon, uh, basically senses that something has happened to his mother, comes up into the throne room, looks down, sees Daenerys on the floor, gives her a couple of pokes, realizes she's dead, looks like he's going to scorch John, which would have been At really a point, cool moment. the screen should have gone black and the show should have been over. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it was a kind of a cool moment. He sort of gives John a sniff and then sort of lets out this bellow of rage and, and melts the Iron Throne. You know, wow, what a subtle metaphor. Um, and It wasn't very accessible, I have to say, yeah. first of all. Uh, and then picks up Daenerys' body and flies off towards the east. Uh, and then we cut to black, or fade to black, and then we pick up our story weeks later. We don't have a sense, but we get that pretty quickly that it's weeks later. Wasn't it five years later? I thought it was five years later. You thought it was what? Five years later. Like, no, no, that was a different Avengers. movie. Avengers. Oh, sorry. Uh, so we, we only can judge it by beard time. John's beard is longer. <laughs> Tyrion's beard is longer. They look a little bedraggled. We'll say, yeah, three weeks later. Uh, the idea is that all the lords and ladies of Westeros have gathered in the dragon pits to discuss what's to be done with Jon Snow and what's to be done with Tyrion and how they decide what should happen to the throne now that uh, both Cersei and Daenerys are dead. And uh, so they have this discussion where somehow Tyrion, who is a prisoner of, uh, of Grey Worm at this point, he somehow is the one who ends up deciding how the, the, the king is chosen the yep, yep. by sort of saying, you know, yeah, we should, you know, we should all meet like this. We should have a discussion. And he basically uh, proclaims that that whoever has the best story should win and that Bran Stark as Bran the Broken should be the ruler of the kingdoms. Uh, so they have the little, you know, discussion. There's some good, you know, we'll talk about some of the little side conversations there afterwards, but they have some good little side conversations and then they all agree with the exception of Sansa who says, uh, you know, I agree that he should be the king, but not of our area. The North will remain independent. And so right. she, at that point, is essentially declaring herself Queen of the North. Uh, 
Uh, and so as I thought for sure she was going to say, I'll do it. Yeah. Well, there was a, again, there's a funny moment. We'll talk about that with her uncle and, and there's yeah, some, there's yeah. some good stuff in there to get into as we, as we wrap this up. But, uh, so, uh, Brian, of course, uh, they nominate him. He accepts, but his, he accepts on the condition that Tyrion is going to be his hand. Uh, because as George said, no good deed goes unpunished. Mm-hmm. If you're going to make me the king, then you get to be my hand. Uh, and then we sort of fast forward into this, you know, now, you know, they're rebuilding King's Landing. Everybody's moved in. I don't know how much more time is supposed to be in there. Uh, and uh, they basically are, are into a, into this, what's the, what do they call it in Wayne's world? The happy ending, the very happy ending. <laughs> they basically give everybody a happy ending. So Grey Worm sails off with the Unsullied for Noth. Uh, Tyrion reorganizes the King's Council with uh, Brienne and Bronn and Davos and Sam are all on the new council. Uh, Sansa gets to go up north and she becomes the queen. Arya goes off to explore. And uh, and John, as his punishment for uh, murdering the queen, is sent to join the Night's Watch. Back to the Night's Watch. What he's watching for, we can discuss as well. And uh, he is reunited with his beloved ghost. Uh, and Who he pets this time. Who he actually okay. acknowledges, which is a nice touch. And uh, and then he and Tormund and the rest of the wildlings head north of the wall. So I guess he's not part of the Night's Watch. Uh, so yeah, this sort of weird, surprisingly happy ending for the show. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. loved it. I'm like the only one in the world <laughs> who loved pretty much all of it. <laughs> that last episode. The so Star- why? What was what was it that, that, that worked for you? Because the Starks were the people that we... The, the, the Starks were universally rooted for by everybody around the world. They were the Starks. And the, when they killed Ned in the very beginning of this this whole series, people were beside themselves. And all the Starks had these incredible journeys. They went through incredible pain. And in the very end, the Starks are the ones that should rule above all because they're the right family. And they did it. And, you know, we're talking about independence. And the North was never part, uh, should never have been ruled by Cersei or by her pops or anybody. So uh, that, or Robert, so that had to happen. So all the things that should have happened, happened in my mind. And, I, and Danny, when people freaked out that Danny went bananas, it was like her, her dad was the Mad King, her brother was mad, uh, and she, above all these things, thought she had a divine right to the throne. Anybody in the history of the world who thinks they've had a divine right to the throne is mad and causes incredible carnage. So Danny, oh, like history has already told us what was going to happen uh, you know, at this stage of Game of Thrones. And I love the fact, to your point, that you know, Tyrion, you've got to be what you always wanted to be, or what you always deserved, which was to be the person who controls um, King's Landing. He was the one Lannister that never got any respect in that town. True, and yeah. he finally, because, you know, the Kingslayer ultimately is the Queenslayer as well, because he brought her down there. So Tyrion, the one guy that never got the family love, gets control of the town, ultimately. And the brand, the broken thing, by by making this a king that would be humble. Also, this king can fly amazing. <laughs> so right there's, to me, the only thing I didn't like about it was the dragon business, because I was just like okay for real now the dragon what um i didn't th- that didn't do it for me uh i thought the killing was amazing um the weird two-week jump i agree was a bit strange but the way all the characters got it at the end i loved it i loved it the mountain could not or the hound could not kill the mountain so they had to die together to set this up all the things that needed to happen ha- and there's no finale season that i've ever seen that is anything other than hey let's just tie some bows there's no finale seasons can't actually move story they just 
got to start tying things up. And I and, and I, I thought that they did a pretty decent job of it. And I loved the, the way this ended. And I thought Sansa, you know, is the rightful queen. And the fact that she gets to run the North, perfect, where she belongs. Yeah. My diatribe. <laughs> Gentlemen. I'm going to go uh, with George on this one, which I acknowledge is also kind of against the grain in that I did like the finale episode. I think issues I end up having with it are largely predicated on issues with this last season in particular, right? Yeah. So if you just say, okay, we've got this final episode, you got to work with what you've got. Now go. And I think they did a pretty good job of of doing that. And subsequent rewatching uh, before the subscription ran out, um, <laughs> largely <laughs> rewatched. Uh, we started rewatching from season one and, and, you know, skipping parts that we didn't, you know, need to see again or, um, you know, going and seeing best scenes. And we largely saw almost the entire series again. And rewatching it in sort of semi binge mode, it's like, oh yeah, they actually spend a lot of time showing us Bran's opinion about stuff really early on. And so the the coming out of left field for Bran is really only if you haven't been rewatching these things, which I admit I haven't. Right, I have not like done the seasonal rebinge like like some folks do. Right, like every season that comes out, they start watching all of them again. And and I think I appreciated Bran, uh, Bran the Builder here, and <laughs> Bran the uh, Bran the Broken as um, being the right choice for many of the reasons that we're talked about here. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I, I have a clip here. I don't know if I just saw this just before we started recording about an hour ago. And um, it's Gwendolyn, I don't remember her last name, Christy. and, uh, and uh, the Costa Waldo guy talking about talking to um, Mario on Extra about their predictions. And, and I don't know when this was shot or whatever, but it was shot well before, the, I think sometime around season six or seven. And she predicts that, like, you know, they're all going well. It's going to be Danny, or it's going to be John, or whatever. This is what, um, what's Costa Waldo's first name again? Nikolai. Nikolai, Jamie, the guy who plays Jamie, yep. he um, he was saying that uh, that you know he thought it was you know the, the obvious choices, right? It's going to be John. It's going to be the he thought it, actually the, the Night King was still around, so he thought the Night King might be the one that kicks ass in the long run. But she says in the, in this clip, if you watch it, that she she says, "Why do we think it has to be somebody like that? Why can't it be somebody from left field like Bran, <laughs> right?" And she says, "You know, all this sort of stuff that he's been doing all along uh, has been lead it could lead him to be the right choice to." lead the to lead this the, the seven kingdoms right and the last thing that that um Ic, what's his name again nikolai nikolai, yeah. nikolai, nikolai said last thing nikolai says is um so then he he made uh jamie push him out the window and she says yeah so this is why i've got this link here saying she got all timey-wimey on this thing because like how do we know that it wasn't bran in his own sort of way forcing this whole future to happen you mean like a like a judas iscariot he was destined to be a trigger you know yeah could be, yeah but, mm. Bran mm-hmm. is the reason that the whole thing went ape in the first place. So right, yeah. it, 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 it does make, make sense. I mean, didn't Vegas have brand number one, which led they, speculation? They did. That's a great, great discussion is, is so for the longest time, uh, and they did have open betting on this in Vegas, Bran was at an astonishingly high level of, of bets. And everyone was like, why, 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 why? The, uh, you know, the, the, the favorites were, you know, of course, John and Daenerys, Arya, Sansa, you know, they were sort of the obvious players and Bran was sort of a left field bet in a lot of people's minds but not Vegas's which makes you have to wonder you know again it takes hundreds and hundreds of people to produce these shows did someone at some point talk is you know like Vegas gets these things totally, right? Uh, right totally yeah. somebody some because Vegas isn't smart in, in terms of they're not like thoughtful they got they just they're in the information business I think you're totally right somebody said something yeah mm, it, it just seems right. so random yeah. and to be so bang on at the odds they had it at it, like it was 
not good odds. It wasn't like a 50 to one long shot. It was like four to two or something. Like it was, it was something really, really low. Hmm, interesting. Yeah. I have another clip here too from uh, Elizabeth Warren. And uh, have I got her name right? OAC? Uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, the greatest. Yep. 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 Yeah. Anyway. AOC. So we, AOC. AOC. Okay. Sorry. So the, yeah, Senator, Senator Elizabeth Warren and Senator AOC. I'm just going to say Congresswoman. That. Congresswoman. Congresswoman. Oh, Congresswoman. Okay. They were talking about the, the last episode too. And, and of course they're, they're saying like, of course it's going to, this show is like written by men. Oh my God. No wonder Sansa doesn't end up in the top chair. Right. Mm. But yeah, it's an interesting little clip there. If you watch the two of them going on about that, because, because I, I saw a tweet earlier this week and, and I totally agreed with it, that Sansa won the popular vote, but uh, Bran had the electoral college. Yeah. <laughs> Sansa That's got complete point. independence and actually formed her own country. I don't, I think AOC and Liz Warren are completely off base here. Sansa is the real <laughs> winner because she got true. to keep So when New, New England secedes from the United States and joins us here in the North, they will know what that is. That's, that's exactly right. I think it parallels Scotland, actually, or maybe even Ireland, right? Yeah, yeah, that's probably closer, yeah. Yeah, so, okay, I have some questions. I'm going to throw these out to the yeah. to the group and we can discuss. So, yeah. uh... Oh, wait, before we do that, we I do have to acknowledge again, so one thing, the best, my, the, my favorite moment in this entire thing, mm. there's a couple of favorite moments, but my favorite moment in this entire thing was when the uncle gets up and says, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I have the most experience at this, I should be the one running, and, and, and Sansa says to him, Uncle, sit. Yeah. And he looks over at everybody else and they're all looking around. They're laughing not, at him not, openly. Not making eye contact. And then she just, she, with her head, she gestures to the chair <laughs> and she tilts down. Yeah. Typical, like a mother would do that, right? Yeah. So yeah. that was my favorite scene. Yeah. This mm. is amazing. <laughs> yeah. No, that was a, a, a lovely moment of levity in, in a, you know, an otherwise sort of tense kind of thing. For sure. So hit us with your questions. Okay. Well, first I'm going to throw out mine. I'll throw in my two cents and then, then we'll get to our questions. So yes, uh, I, I must admit, I kind of agree with you guys. I didn't think it was bad. I think uh, I think I have more issues overall with the last two seasons overall than I do with the finale. I don't think the finale was the problem. I think it was, as we talked about in previous episodes, is the pacing issue, right? We knew that uh, Benioff and Weiss have other, other work to do. We know the actors wanted to get on with it. HBO would have taken 10 more seasons of this if they could have, uh, but the reality is that you can't stretch those things out. Actors don't want to work on the same projects for this long, especially the ones who have established themselves as you know now A-list stars. They want to go do other things. Uh, so we were going to get where we're going to get. We're going to get a seven, seven episode last season. We're going to get six episodes this season. It's impossible to properly capture the turns of events that they had, adequately explain how Daenerys is feeling and not have it feel rushed when, you know, there are whole seasons about it taking somebody from point A to point B in previous seasons to have somebody turn on a dime on some of these things. We were never going to be totally happy. And so that would be my only sort of mark against this whole series and the, its final episodes is that I could see why people are frustrated with the decisions that people made and the accelerated timeline. Yes, it makes it seem very rash or sudden or unexpected. But again, if you follow the through line, especially as, as you know, guys were talking about going back and watching the earlier episodes and watching how Daenerys acts, how Bran acts, how Jon acts, their, their conclusions are true to who they are from the beginning of the series onward. It's not perfect, but it's damned good. Mm-hmm, for sure. We have to wait for the extended box set. I'm sure there's like a lot of cutting room stuff, like, you know, the reaction to the Sansa and, and um, Arya learning about John and all that kind of stuff. We didn't see that. Uh, yeah, and again, it's it's 
some of those things they probably just didn't do because again, you know, if you've only got 80 minutes to tell a story, you know, they the highest quality, like this is some of the best television that has ever been put on television as far as agreed filmmaking. These people made mini movies every week, especially this last couple mm-hmm. of seasons. This is television on a, on a scale we've never ever seen before. And we've also and- we're in the the era where everybody in the audience thinks they can write it better and because of Twitter everybody goes bonkers and they, and they try and they create these bullshit momentum waves uh, because we're in an era where people just want to tweet while they're watching a the show. Yep. That, that, I think yep. that's mm-hmm. what I think mm-hmm. this was uh, my friend Bob Ackwitz uh, said today that he thought that Game of Thrones um, was the first television series that turned the audience into auteurs where everybody, <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, everybody felt like well they would have done it differently and, and I get it but I, I, I'm with you I don't think that anybody else would have got the the only finale I've ever seen that's been perfect in my estimation has been Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad, absolutely. You know that was I thought yeah, and Mash, yeah. of course, but Breaking Bad was amazing. Uh, but Game of Thrones, oh, you're right. How could they have? Ti- how else could they have done this? Yeah, yeah. The only thing that caught me off guard about this finale as a finale was that it did not end in more tragic fashion because yeah, yeah, yeah. that's what this show has always been about: subverting expectations. I guess the subversion in the grandest scale is that John decides he has to kill Danny, and so they felt that was sufficient as far as subversion and they gave everybody else a very happy send-off that is my only surprise in all this is that we didn't get more tragedy the fact that they actually gave Braun Highgarden the fact that they actually gave Sam his dream job of being a maester in in King's Landing the fact that you know so many you know Brienne gets to be the captain of the King's Guard you know that every you know Sansa gets her crown John gets to go live in in the north with the people he loves and live the kind of life he wanted I'm surprised that everybody got so many happy endings for a show that was constantly mm-hmm. and we talked about the term last week tim agony porn at times like it was yep, yep. it was hard to watch some of that stuff so that's my only sort of surprise in all this is that we didn't end up with more and that person died of dysentery two weeks later yeah <laughs> well that's how they subverted your expectations by not subverting your expectations that's, honestly oh, no, you're right yeah. it's, it's bang on like the, i think we were so set up to expect the worst that when it didn't again i when it faded to black i was like huh they didn't all die yeah. expectations subverted i could not i you could, thought oh man they killed sean bean in the first season so yeah, i'm sure brand clearly. probably planned it this way you know from the start i could not have yeah. i could not have handled see for a moment i thought that when the white horse showed up in the second last episode i thought that Arya was dead and this was yeah, uh, yeah. this was so i thought oh well you killed Arya. that will make me mad but they didn't kill her kill her because they, they realized that we couldn't handle it right yeah. so they we wouldn't let well, us where see was it. the horse in the beginning of this episode yeah i, I think it finally <laughs> died after about 50 feet yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah cinder's probably took it apart for sure yeah 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 all right so so here's a couple questions for you guys so uh we talked about the scene where they're in the throne room john makes the decision he stabs danny danny dies drogon who we established right before that scene is sleeping or becoming a snowbank downstairs screams from down below john thinks rutro he uh drogon shows up in the throne room gives danny a poke so are we supposed to infer from this that drogon is a very intelligent creature has this connection psychic or otherwise to Danny knew when she died and then in that moment made the decision I'm mad so I'm going to burn anything around me or I'm mad specifically because I knew that Danny was about this throne and I wanted to melt the throne are we supposed to get that that's a random act or a purposeful act I have yeah. I have thoughts on this which but I can't wait anybody want to go first or yeah so first of all I want to say that uh, 
that my dog can recognize the sound of my car as my wife drives up to the house. So he has this sixth sense, a sense around him. Right. He, I don't know if, it, if it's just the, the Honda CRV tuning or <laughs> something weird about it, but he knows when she's driving up the road to the house. So that's the, that explains Drogon's connection to her, to, to Danny, you know, I assume. And he was acting like a dog. He was, he was sort of poking at mom. Hey, mom, I, you know, I need another bone kind of thing, right? But why the, the throne? I mean, uh, the fact that he looked at John again, comes back to that whole half Targaryen thing. I can't burn you because you're one of me or one of the clan or whatever, right? right? So does he does he not burn John because he's a Targaryen? Does he not burn John because he realized that John did what had to be done? I see. It. No, yeah. no, no, he, no. He, I don't go that far. No, it's mind. instinctual. He didn't burn him because he's he's a Targaryen, and I don't know why he burned the throne. To be honest with you, but you know that was just pathetic. What do you call it? Um, pathetic uh, justice or whatever. Symbolism. I, I I think there's two ways that I would look at this, which is that that Drogon, which is the laziest name ever for a dragon, Drogon <laughs> um, uh, either looked at the throne and said, if she can't have it, nobody can. Right. Right. The other part of me is that Drogon did not probably looked at it and went, that, that throne is why she's dead. Her chase for that throne is why she's dead. And that was his <clears throat> final way of of just kind of, again, wiping that off and then taking her away. I think I think that that, that dog was intuitive. Yeah. So this, this leads me to a, a sort of a reflection. So if we're to infer that he's that intelligent, which I don't, you know, I think in, in previous works of fantasy fiction, we've established that dragons can be very intelligent. I guess it makes me think back to the previous episode where she was like, hey, let's go torch some children and, and people like that. Is Are we supposed to infer from that that he was on board with the torching of the children and the people or that the, he gave no active thought to that? Was he just obeying? Or, was he following orders? Was he just following orders? I think like a dog though, He's he, she says fire, he says fire, right? So, you know what I mean? Like a, like a dog is trained to sit or roll over, you know, like she gives him one word commands, you know? But it can't, it can't be as simple as, as, you know, she gives him one word commands and he follows if he is also capable of the pathos of I'm going to destroy a throne because it... But he doesn't look at a kid and say, I'm not going to burn that that's an innocent child. He just goes fire, you know? So I don't really ascribe to the uh, more intelligent dragon theory here, but let's follow it since it's been brought up. If we follow the more intelligent dragon hypothesis, um, I think Drogon, given his actions throughout the series, is clearly on board with murder and mayhem. Like, it's part of his whole being and distinguished him from Viserion and Rhaegal, who didn't cause as many problems as he did, right? He was the dragon who, like, flew off and, like, killed kids and and sheep and stuff, and Daenerys couldn't even get a hold of him and control of him for a while. He's he's the rebel. He's the Anakin Skywalker to her <laughs> Palpatine of like kills. But by yeah, that I'm, rationale, I'm wouldn't he have been the one most likely to look at John and say, "You just killed my rider. It's 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 go time." I, I'm not even sure he he knew that. Like, if we go the 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 smart dragon route, then yes, I think he would know it. And which is why I don't go down. I think oh, he's more like uh, like Tim mentioned, like like a dog where like he knew somehow Horror whether it's yeah, yeah. magic empathic or just like hey i've got this freaky sense that something bad let me go see what's going on with mom he goes he's like oh my gosh she's dead he absolutely is filled with rage like i have to kill or destroy something he looks at john and is like i want to but i can't for reasons we can discuss what those reasons <laughs> are reasons. And, it's, and this is like okay this this throne is irritating me i'm going to destroy <laughs> this thing very similar to my own little dog who when he gets upset he's like i gotta go chew my new nylon bone i just gotta <laughs> this misdirect aggression has to be taken out on something. And Jonathan, you own a dog. Like, don't you know that you train your dog in one room, he goes into another room, that all the, all bets are off, whether he'll follow the training. 
I would say that my dog may be just a smidgen better uh, organized of the mind than yours. No, my mine is mine's crafty. He's tricky. He's tricksy. Yeah. Yeah. No, mine is. Uh, he's a simple creature. As long as he's got a comfortable place to sleep, he's he's pretty good. He's pretty good. All right. I I want to follow. Yeah. I want to follow this one up with the next inevitable question. So John's in the throne room. The dragon picks up Daenerys, flies off into the into the distance. He's now standing in the throne room with a pile of melted metal and uh, blood all over his hands and uh, so the queen is dead. He literally must have walked out of that room, gone downstairs and confessed. <laughs> right? Yeah, or, or, or Grey Worm was yeah. Grey Worm was yeah, Grey Worm there's was no, there. There's no evidence. Like, there, there's nothing that could connect it to him. He could have just gone downstairs and said, listen, I don't know what to tell you guys. Danny's dead. She was sitting on the throne. Drogon came upstairs, burned the throne stabbed down. Stabbed her in the chest. Go upstairs yeah. and look. No, I don't have to say stabbed her in the chest. <laughs> he stabbed her in the chest. She, she <laughs> was, in case she brings her back. She was sitting, yeah, really. In case he dropped her like 10 feet away from the wall. Um, yeah, he, he literally could have gone downstairs and said, hey, sh- the, she was sitting in the throne. Drogon sneezed. Uh, next thing I know, there's and a pile no of melted no. metal. I told her no. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and my poor aunt, I mean, a girlfriend, I mean, queen is dead. And instead, he must have clearly walked to the bottom of the stairs and said, hey, Grey Worm, put me in shackles. I've just killed the queen. Can we talk about how dumb that is? But John would do that, right? The man of honor. John followed Danny right to its, its, its absolute last moment. John's not that smart. He's just instinctive. So I think that he, he, I mean, also John is, let's be honest, died once. So he's a different yeah. kind of, he's a different kind of person. So he, honor is such a big thing to him that he would probably walk down and said to Grey Worm, I did it to save us all. I did it because I had to. Yeah. And how in that moment does Grey Worm not just immediately kill him? Yeah. Don't know. That's the part I like. How at that point is, are they like, you know what? They are the ones in power. Tyrion's not there. There's no more Jorah. There's no more Masunday. Nothing is stopping the Unsullied and the Dothraki. How in the hell would the Dothraki and the Unsullied not have just ripped him to shreds on the spot, as opposed to being like, all right, you're going to your room for a while, Jon Snow, because you know nothing. Is it possible that Grey Worm deep down understood this, and he understood what Danny did was wrong, and he he had a moment or of his of his own personal growth where he just kind of went, okay, I have to kill you because you are, or I have to bring you to justice because you, you killed our queen, but deep down he knew that this carnage was unnecessary. Yeah, but 10 minutes ago he was slicing he, he was literally slicing street. throats down on the street before that and Jacob Anderson in that scene when he's got Tyrion at the dragon pit and they're talking about Jon Snow's fate mm-hmm. uh, as Grey Worm is playing the hell out of like I am so mad I could spit. You guys, we, you know, we, we're all, we've all had that moment we're in the moment of a battle and we just can't see clearly and we finish the killing and then we come to our senses. <laughs> that happens at least every other weekend, really. That's right. <laughs> Alright, topic number three and this is my favorite. How harsh was it that they had to bring up Bran's dick at the Dragon Pit meeting? <laughs> <laughs> that was the best meme I saw all week. Yeah, so I also saw I saw somebody somebody said they don't watch Game of Thrones, but calling him Bran the Broken is like politically incorrect. Yeah, it, yes, that's true. And it's funny because they, they deliberately call him that. Like, I, I get that Tyrion using that as uh, an understanding of why his story is good. But then to keep referring to him, to his face as Bran the Broken after that seemed a little unnecessary, but not as unnecessary as them pointing out that his dick doesn't work anymore. And by the way, his sister, no less, right? Yeah! yeah his yeah. sister, How would she know? <laughs> yeah. Did that come up? I mean, he was really kind of keeping to himself up in, in uh, Winterfell. At what point were they like, but by the way, uh, we know you're back and your legs don't work properly anymore. Can we talk about your dick? Yeah. You know I want to publish this show, right? 
<laughs> well, you can bleep those ones. <laughs> I just, I, I, I laughed out loud at the moment because it's meant to be a little bit, a little bit funny. Uh, but man, harsh. Like they're literally, and then like two minutes later, the dude is named King of the Six Kingdoms. Like, uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the other one I have is so part of the discussion in the last season, two seasons ago, was that the Greyjoys, uh, Theon and Yara, go across the sea to Essos to meet with Daenerys. And they basically say, uh, our uncle Euron has taken over the Iron Islands. We want to get them back. We'll pledge our forces to you. And in exchange, we'd also like to be an independent kingdom again. And Daenerys says, cool, I can do that. And then somebody says to their, well, what if the other ones want to be independent? She says, they can ask. <laughs> so then we get to the dragon pit and they're having this discussion about who should be the king. And Sansa says, you know what? I'm out. I don't want to be part of your party anymore. I am the queen of the North. I'm out. How at that point does Yara not also stand up and go, ditto. And the Prince of Dorne, which if, if anybody has read the books, Dorne was the longest holdout in joining the Seven Kingdoms. They lasted a hundred years after everybody else and actually fought so hard that they got to keep the honorific of princes and princesses of Dorne, even though they are they are part of the, they are subjects of the kingdom. How do they not all in turn stand up at that point and go, hey, how about we just dissolve the kingdom? True, yeah. That's a good point. I mean, maybe because they didn't all um, feel the way Sansa did about the North. The North that they thought was special. Um, that's my only thing. But you're right. Otherwise, I, I can't think of a good reason why they wouldn't, except that uh, they put so much energy into developing Sansa as the future queen that uh, they didn't put enough time into that. They didn't yeah. develop that part enough. Yeah. It just feel like, it feels like one of those sort of glaring pl plot holes that we'll never get a real resolution to. I imagine uh, George R. R. Martin, when he, when he, if, if, if he finally finishes his last couple of books, uh, may sort of wrap up to more satisfying sense. But that one yeah. really stepped out for me as, you know, how does Sansa get the, the nerve to stand up and say, you know what, I'm out and not have everybody else go, why didn't we think of that? Well, she's Bran's sister, so. Yeah, but Yara had like, already made the play for independence. I'm surprised she wasn't the first one to Danny. stand up. To Danny. So why wouldn't she do it in this case? Like, what by what right would somebody be able to say, no, as a matter of fact, I'm surprised it lasted those three weeks in between before all those places didn't go, by the way, we're free now. Like, we're our own country again. Yeah, I think with the uh, the Iron Islands and Dorne, there might be some weaknesses, particularly post-war, to consider where uh, now a whole bunch of the Iron Fleet was blown up. Yep. And the Iron Islands, like, they, they go out and raid and pillage because they really can't grow much on the islands themselves, so they're kind of dependent upon that. They're not self-sufficient. Yeah. And I also wonder if Dorne... So trade is like, the guy. The guy from Dorne was, like, a dude because, um, I forget her name, uh, like, Laria Sand, I forget what her name was, like, had killed, like, the rightful ruler, and she herself was, and her daughters were all taken care of. Like, the whole lineage has been broken up in Dorne. Yeah. So, dude number five from Dorne is probably like, yeah, I'm okay being a lord of my little area. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and not pushing for independence, because I, who knows what my situation is going to be like. Right. Yeah. Uh, all right. Last question. What would they have had to have offered to Bronn after giving him Highgarden to come back and live in King's Landing and work as, as the, the master, master of coin? coin. Yeah. And, and why him as master of coin? What does he know about finances? Yeah. I mean, we, we can talk again more about the, the small council, that whole makeup. How did how did uh, uh, Sam end up going from I quit the Citadel to I am now Grand Maester in 
inside the the uh, you know the, the red keep now. How did that happen? In three weeks, he's he's got a chain on. He's got robes on. He's yeah, yeah. He's on the small council. Like how, in three weeks, and he has he hasn't shaved at all. Like he hasn't aged at all. Right. So it's obviously like three weeks later, not a year later or whatever. Right. Do we do we consider Braun a decent character, like a decent person? No. Right. So he's the only <laughs> he's, non, a he's the only non decent one on the, on that council then, because everybody else, you know, it, it reached the point of piety almost. Uh, you, you know, we know what Brienne was all about and her and her, you know, her commitment to Sansa. So I can see that Tyrion is really smart and knows that it's better to keep his enemies close and True. people who would complicate yeah. his life. That's my only thinking as to why he would be there, because Bronn can be the fly in the ointment. And if you keep him close, uh, you can see what he's up to. Well, I guess Littlefinger was the master of Quinn before that, right? Yeah. 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 And that was a pretty rough dude. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Hmm. What right. do you think, Jaime? I was trying to think. I was going to say, oh, because Bronn has all the um, all the gold, but he actually doesn't because they raided Highgarden and brought it all to King's Landing to pay off the Golden Company, or sorry, the Iron Bank. Yep. So I'm not, not sure where all the gold is now. Maybe, maybe they looted it off the Golden Company folks. Yep. I can see that. So, yeah. So how do we end this show now? <laughs> well, I, I guess I want to... Fade to black. Happy ending? I want to I touch on that one note that I put into our, our notes there before we, we get to that. So uh, I think the easiest speculation coming out of this was there's a lot of places if, say, perchance HBO wanted to break the glass and uh, and recycle the future of Game of Thrones. And now we know they're going to do some prequels. There's a bunch of different shows in development. They're they're not going to let this franchise not continue because money. Um, how long before they throw a boatload of money at one of uh, the stars, the Stark kids or whatever, to reprise their roles? The obvious one seems to be Maisie Williams because she sort of strikes out on her own. If you pay her, you know, $10 million an episode 10 years from now to reprise her role somewhere in a new land of that world, uh, does she come back and play that part? Because we last see her sailing off into the distance as, you know, I'm going to go discover the undiscovered country. Um, so the question is, you know, is there something there? So the answer in the short term, at least, uh, came this week. So the the uh, HBO's president of programming, Casey Bloys, uh, talked to The Hollywood Reporter and everyone said, hey, you know, well, the question was put to him, you know, does Arya's ending mean we're going to see a spinoff with Basie? And he said, no, no, no. I uh, said, nope, 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 no. Part of it is I want to do this show, this Game of Thrones, Dan and David's show to be its own thing. I don't want to take characters from this world that they did beautifully and put them off into another world with someone else creating it. I want to let it be the artistic piece they've got. That's one of the reasons why I'm not trying to do the same show over. George has a massive, massive world. There's so many ways in. That's why we're trying to do things that feel distinct and not try to redo the same show. That's probably one of the reasons why right now a sequel or picking up any of the other characters doesn't make sense for us. I agree with his sentiment, but how long do you think they can hold off when there's going to be a nonstop clamor for a reprisal of something from this world? I think I think you're right. It's going to take years. It'll take years. But like tonight, when we're recording this, uh, Woody Harrelson is playing Archie Bunker in a live uh, All in the Family, right? So I think it depends on one thing practically, which is how does Maisie's career go? What else does she do? And the other part is in a handful of years, uh, it would be the biggest TV event 
ever if we get um, 27-year-old Arya. Like, that would be a monster television event, and the money might be just too big for them to ignore. Yeah. True, true. I, was, I have to say, I was actually disappointed. Other than her ninja move on, on the the White Walkers, you know, when she killed the the, White, the Night King, um, I was a little disappointed we didn't get any of the Faceless Man kind of ninja stuff that she did in, in the last couple of series, right? Yeah, but when she did kill the Night King, what more can we ask from her? <laughs> she was tired. Yeah, that's, that's a pretty high note to go out on. Well, we were hoping she was going to do Sansa or, or Cersei. sorry, Cersei or um, Danny or something, you know, like something. You know what? I bet you if if this was a maybe that was if this her, was ten not seasons. No, if, if this was a ten season Game of Thrones and they played out the last full ten episode seasons to the end, I think they could have gotten more into that stuff. But man, how do you fit that in? Like they shoehorned so much stuff. The pacing in this was so far off of what we're used to in Game of Thrones. H- how could you squeeze that in? Oh, but if she had, if after John killed Danny, if we cut to John somewhere else and then back to John with the bloody knife and then she takes the face mask off. Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> George, you got my money. Take all my money. That would have been so great. Tim, you're onto it, man. That's a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody get Benny off and Weiss on the phone. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Yeah. I, I, I do think that it will be interesting to see what they do because if you look at the reaction videos online and, you know, people are watching it at bars and other big gatherings and one of the biggest cheering moments like like somebody scored the game winning touchdown in the Super Bowl moments is when Arya stabs the Night oh, King. So great. Yeah. And the second one is when John pets Ghost oh, at the very end. So great. So <laughs> People great. are so happy. So I think they should take a page out of what uh, CBS is doing with Star Trek. Do in a different series, like I don't know, like an animated series or something, kind of like the Lower Decks sort of series we've talked about for Star Trek. Arya the Explorer. And do the Ghost and Drogon like buddy cop oh, show. God, that'd be amazing. <laughs> but you can decide how canonical it is. I love that. Yeah, for sure, for sure. All right, well, listen, we're way over time here, so we should jump to the watch list and, and kind of whip through that if we can. So, Jaime, you got the first thing on here? And it's a Game of Thrones-related thing, so there you go. Yeah, it's a tweet by Dan Olson, who has a really good series on, uh, or channel on YouTube called Folding Ideas, where he does a lot of uh, screen and screenplay analysis. And he's got a uh, John Hughes-style ending to Game of Thrones that I think is fun for folks who watched some of those movies in the 80s. I think it's worth a, worth a shot and it gives you the, like, where did everybody end up with the little uh, text underneath sort of thing. Yeah, love that. Love that. You see that in a lot of movies, for sure. Yeah. So what else you got, Jaime? The other one was, uh, I was out last week on a work trip in Portland, but me and some of my co-workers got out to see what we left behind, the Deep Star Trek Deep Space Nine documentary. Uh, one night only, it was fantastic, but don't worry. Uh, apparently there will be Blu-rays and or DVDs available soonish. I hope. I don't actually know when, but they, they do mention it, so we didn't get a chance to go out and see it. I'd say wait for that. It was great to see, you know, interviews with the cast. It was kind of cool that they actually brought the writers back together and they sort of prototyped out, oh, what if we were to do season eight, episode one? What would that be like? And with a little bit of uh, visualization, storyboard and animatics for that. And of course, the sort of crown jewel was the, I think it was like 20 minutes of HD remastered video for uh, Deep Space Nine. Something like the uh, Sacrifice of Angels battle was just like amazing on the big screen and with crystal clarity of HD. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, so my my I got a, I got three here actually. So I finally got around to watching Hereditary, which was supposed to be this amazing you know horror movie. So I got myself all primed up and I was in a good place, I was ready to watch this movie. 
and have, you know, the bejesus scared out of me. Um, I got about halfway through and then it got so predictable that I wonder if it was actually a comedy. Have you guys seen the movie? I've not. Nope. I, have, I have seen it. Yes. So when it gets to the part where about the occult, I mean, maybe I just don't believe in the occult or whatever, but I mean, like the, there's a, there's this accident that happens in the middle of the movie. I'm not going to spoil it for people, but which is just amazing and off the hook. Right, George? Oh, bro. That was so traumatic. Yeah. And then, and then, then, then it moves into the sort of occult, but maybe I'm giving way too much by saying the occult. But at that point, they kind of lost me. Like it kind of, you know, I, I was watching this movie and I'm thinking it wants to be Rosemary's baby. Right. But it, it's coming off more like, like event horizon. And you know how I feel about event horizon. You know, <laughs> I, um, yes, I, I, do. I, I, I'm a big fan of, uh, of the eight Kings of hell. So to see one represented in the film, I liked it. Um, I, but it, it certainly wasn't, it didn't carry the same, um, tension that the trailer did. Um, Oh, right. Yeah. You know, but that, that, that scene you're talking about, that accident scene was just overwhelming. And I think that just kind of, that stuck with me for the whole film. Yeah, well, for sure. I mean, they, they do a sort of Quentin Tarantino. You don't really see what happens and you're not really sure what's happening and they don't reveal it till much later. Right. So that was really good. But yeah, the, the, I think they, the, if they had kept with that momentum, I might've been, I might've been really, really happy with the movie, but I, I, I watched it till the end because I figured, okay, I'm here. I might as well watch it. But yeah, they had lost me when, when, uh, Tony Coletti, what's her name? Tony Collette, Tony Collette's, uh, you know, starting to lose it a bit, you know, in the movie. Yeah. Interesting. The other thing was, so it's, it, I don't know what, I have a special place in my life for, for death around me as some people know, but, uh, a friend of mine recommended this, this, uh, series called dead to me, which stars Christina Applegate and I've forgotten her name now. Um, Linda Cardellini, Lena Cardellini. We, I think we talked about it on the show here, but, but I definitely highly, highly recommend binging this one, like 30 minute episodes. You'll be done in like two, three hours kind of thing. Uh, 10 episodes. Um, super, super hilarious. It starts with um, uh, Christina Applegate's husband has just been killed in a hit and run. And she's got this amazing uh, attitude that unlike any, you know, uh, a female character in any, any, you know, movie where something like as devastating as this has happened to her. Um, it's just, it just plays, plays up great. So I definitely recommend Dead to Me. I don't know if, any, if you guys have seen it at all. or I think it was just passed by Riverdale as the most watched, like Riverdale is now the most watched Netflix show, but for for its run, uh, Dead to Me was the number one show. How long has it been out? Only a couple of weeks. Sherry just binged the whole thing. My wife, really, really, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, the ending is kind of typical. I, I, you know, not not. I, I was kind of wondering what was going to happen at the very end, but when when it did pay off, it was it was a bit surprising. But of course, it leads into the next next season. How could you have it? You need this this type of ending to have a next season. I'm not going to give anything away. There. Well, Netflix is very invested in having people hooked onto their new series now, since they're as we talked about last week. A lot of their content yes. is going bye bye. Cupboards are getting bare. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yes. And my last one was I just last night I w- sat down and watched Happy Time Murders, which is the uh, Jim Henson's Sons movie, mm-hmm. I think, right? Um, something to do with Muppets. Uh, it, it basically has, I think, it, I don't know if they are officially Muppets or not, but but it's about this world where um, puppets, as they call them in the show, um, and humans live. So it's kind of like alienation, that kind of thing, you know, where uh, these two people used to be cops. One's a puppet, one's not. One has you know, part puppet. She has a puppet liver, and it's whole sort of you know, um, sort of I, I don't know. There's another word for it, but racist kind of attitudes towards puppets in society, and um, just but totally told like it's it's a comedy and a tragedy at the same time. It's it's totally worth watching, and of course it's a vehicle for I can't remember her name now. Um, Melissa McCarthy. Melissa McCarthy. No, it's, such, it's that movie was not what I thought it was when I saw the poster <laughs> at all, and I put it on, and like two seconds in, I went. What the? What is this, man? <laughs> it was a real shocker. 
sugar. <laughs> yes, definitely don't. I love the I love the uh, the drugs are are actually sugar candy. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. Over to you, John. Uh, yeah, I got a couple things. So uh, one of my favorite animated series is about to start its final season. Archer. Uh, Archer. Nineteen ninety nine. The final season uh, starts uh, May twenty ninth, and uh, there's a couple of really great goofy trailers. Uh, anybody who's a fan of the show knows uh, each season sort of has a different motif. Uh, they've done noir. They've done uh, sort of a disco era. They've done, uh, you know, uh, a high adventure. Uh, this one is going to be set in space. Uh, we're still not clear how it's all going to wrap up because we're not entirely sure how it keeps lurching from place to place. But uh, it never fails to make me laugh. It is such a weird, goofy, funny series. Um, so many talented people working on it behind the scenes. And, uh, and I can't wait to see how they how they wrap up the Archer world. So I'm, I'm dying for that one. How many seasons has it been on? Uh, I think this is the, oh, I want to say ninth or 10th season. 10th season. Wow. Yes. Hmm. Um, now, again, the season for them is, I think, 10 episodes. Okay, um, sure. But uh, it's, it's, uh, the other seasons are on Netflix here in Canada. I don't know uh, about the States, but uh, it's, again, it's one of those shows where once you start wading into it, it's hard not to want to keep watching because it's, it's, it's really funny. I interviewed Aisha Tyler about it, and she said to me it was her first experience ever where the she read the scripts and they were so far over the line and, oh, then, yeah. what, and then when the network read the scripts the network said to the writers i think you could go further what? yeah and, and she was like <laughs> what the writers went what and the network said yeah push more don't be afraid so well, because it's, it's, it's fxx right it's it's fox's right. wow. adults brand so they wanted envelope pushing this is you know they the same ones that bring us legion and some of the weirder fargo some of the the edgier weirder side of of their storytelling wow all right but it's yeah, it's it's genuinely you know it borders borders are pushed in a, a regular occurrence on that show. Um, a lot of innuendo, a lot of uh, dirty jokes, but it's it's always funny. Right. And the last thing I've got in here is uh, they've got a trailer this week for Black Mirror season five, which is coming Ooh. in a scant uh, week and a half to Netflix. Wow. Uh, June the fifth is coming. Um, so we'll have the the link in our show notes to the uh, the trailer. Um, yeah, I mean that series never seems to disappoint. That I can't say every single episode has knocked my socks off but there's almost always a gem or two in every season so i'm i'm curious to see what they've come up with this year yeah and some big names acting in that one too absolutely yeah miley cyrus is the uh the big face of this one that uh, she's in one of the episodes so spoilers come on well she's the first thing you see in the trailer oh okay well i haven't seen the trailer yet all right (laughs) so george do you have anything to send our fans away with something to watch something you're interested in Uh, yeah it was a big announcement this week was that in the fall we're gonna get the new season of rick and morty and oh yeah this is this is like i don't know you know as a completely non-theist i don't know what catholics feel like when they get a new pope but to find <laughs> out we're going to get another season so here's what i would recommend obviously to watch the three seasons of rick and morty you, you got to watch them several times but the thing that i would tell people to do is go on youtube and watch the um, hidden messages inside rick and morty videos there's a, there are hundreds of them but there's so much uh, there's so much meta information metadata in this series in the background to the series that i have currently been watching like i'm just watching them all fan theories and conspiracy theories about stuff in the background of rick and morty um watch those and get ready for when the next season starts yeah it's fabulous i watch it I, whenever it's on i just sit down and watch. I've, I've watched it completely out of order never had a, you know never watched it in series in series but every episode stands on its own for sure yep. great cartoon all right well i guess that's it for another week yeah thanks for having me guys yeah no worries so that's it for another week so um hi may if people want to get in touch with you how do they do that i'm on 
Twitter is at Dev with the Hair. All right, and Jonathan, if people can get in touch with you, uh, I'm on Twitter and Instagram as at JPK News. George, can how can people get in touch with you? I'm on a Twitter and Instagram as at Strombo. That's right. And you have this little radio show you do, Strombo Show. All right, CBC Music, I believe, right? That's right. Every Sunday night, Sunday nights, and we have an app. All right. Uh, my name is Tim Mitra. T I M M I T R A on the Twitter machine is the best way to get a hold of me. So until next time, we'll see you in the future. Thanks, guys. Bye bye. Let's go, Raptors. If you want to find out more about the podcast or see the episode show notes, visit the SpockCast website at SpockCast.com. You can get in touch with us on the website or follow us on Twitter at SpockCast. If you have feedback or questions, send us a tweet with the hashtag AskSpockCast. If you like the show, please consider recommending us to a friend, writing a review on iTunes, or pledging any amount at Patreon.com slash you can find details on how to help us out on our website at spotcast.com slash sponsor us. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the future. George, are they going to win the series? Oh, man, I don't know. I, I don't know, but I think that game uh, four was the best defensive. I think game four was the most complete Raptor game I've ever seen in my life. I used to be an NBA reporter the first few years the Raptors uh, were in existence, so I would sit courtside. My job was to cover the visiting dressing room, so I had the Barkley-Jordan era, and um, every team had had Hall of Fame players, and we would watch some really neat teams come in and play, but what happened in game four? That Raptor, that thing was out of this world, so I don't know if there's another one of those in them and i can't tell how badly hurt Kawhi is yeah oh he got hurt oh no yeah he tweaked his leg again and the thing too and you know going to milwaukee the refereeing is so terrible in that league yeah (laughs) i know i'm really it's the one thing that makes watching b-ball almost impossible is the hometown refing and i i i I just hope drake goes and sits courtside and continues (laughs) to irritate everybody but you know yes i do think we can win the series because we showed that the that the bucks were completely uh, befuddled by the raptors defensive pressure they were they could not handle that pace uh, if yeah. the raps can do that for those two more games uh, we're going to you know we're going to oakland okay so then the follow-up question is is there a chance in hell against oakland i think so i think there is because i think Kawhi that close in his home state and you know golden state is obviously this incredible team but they're a, they're not a perfect team anymore they're, so they can be beat i actually think we could beat them but that's mostly if Kawhi and but everybody's got to be you know you have to have four guys in double digits every night if the Raps want to do that. But I yeah, think defensively yeah. we can do it. And I think that, um, I think Kawhi is just out of control. We're watching, we're watching one of those really special moments in, uh, in Canadian sports that we have a guy like Kawhi here. So I think that they can beat them. I don't think it's likely, but I think yeah. they can. I guess it depends if they get KD back. I mean, I, I think as it is right now, there's a big FU KD thing going on in, in uh, Golden State. They seem to be playing with a real chip on their shoulder. I mean, you look at Curry's numbers. Was it 37, 36, 37, 36 for four games? sweep uh, uh man I, I don't give them a snowball's chance in hell that team looks 
just like they looked like they did four years ago before KD joined them. It's sick. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Uh, I hear KD is going to possibly go to the Clippers too. So it's, and if that happens, that's where Kawhi was expected to end up. Well, they they have enough cap room to get both of them too, which is even more terrifying. So, well, that's, you know, then they would, yeah, that would be, and then LeBron, oh my God, can you imagine LeBron in LA uh, having to contend with that? Um, Maybe the, I, the third biggest star in LA basketball, which I don't think would sit well with them. No, that's true. I, I, but I do think we can beat them. I think we can. And I just don't, I don't think those guys can, can be that hot forever. Yeah. I don't know. Steph Curry's been hot for about five years now, so. It must fade. It does not, it's not, doesn't it fade at some point? <laughs> That's what I'm hoping. All, all, all dynasties <laughs> eventually crumble. I mean, there's no way to keep it going, but boy, they have looked so good. Now, again, you, you, the, the competition in the West wasn't as hot as it has been the last few years. And, you know, they kind of steamrolled an, uh, a, a spicy team from Portland, but man, that it's not looking so hot. Hi, Mary, are you watching any of this? Yeah, so. It, it was in Portland and folks wanted to watch the games, of course, uh, for the Blazers. I was rooting for the Blazers, you know, sort of a Seattle doesn't have a team. So this is the closest thing oh, I can go on to. That's a tragedy that A, that you don't have yeah. a team and B, that you're forced to root for the Blazers. Yeah, it was like a, a weird surrogacy sort of thing. Um, and I, I I do agree with the feistiness of the Blazers. The Blazers showed that the Warriors, as fantastic as they are, because they, you know, swept the Blazers. But they were they were down by double digits pretty late several times. Yep. So there are weaknesses to the Golden State Warriors that I think whoever ends up in the finals against them can exploit. Yeah. Um, I would not look past Giannis and the Bucks though. Um, I've seen uh, Giannis play in Portland. That dude is a beast. So I would I would not, you know, look too far yet and just make sure you get through the series first before thinking about the finals and the matchup. Yeah. Well, this is furthest the Raptors have ever gone in playoffs, right, so far? Yeah, they made it to the East Finals two years ago too, but oh, okay. that was less of a contest. It, it feels like they weren't quite as in it as they are this time. Yeah, it would be interesting just to see them go all the way just for the sake of seeing them ha- seeing that happen. Yeah, I don't know. Is it is it better to make the finals and lose to one of the greatest, probably the second best team in the history of basketball? I mean, you can argue them versus uh, the, the Celtics teams from the 60s. But I mean, the run they're putting on is it's arguably historic. Uh, is it better to be part of the, the, the history of making it to the finals and losing to a team like that? Or is it better to, uh, oh, yeah. to not oh, be no. the team that gets pounded like that? Oh, no, you go in there and you and you shake them. You go in there and you shake them. I, I think it's. I think they have to get to the final. Raptors need this. Also, if they don't get to the final, the Kawhi trade is was always that's the lo- that's the loss, right? The benchmark has always been you're going to trade tomorrow for Kawhi. You got to make the final. So if oh, right, they, yeah. it, is there any chance Kawhi comes back? And if so, does it depend on them making the final? I think if I think he can come back. I think we can offer more money than anybody else, right? Yeah, but I mean, he could have gotten even more money if he'd stayed in in San Antonio because he could have got the supermax. So money's clearly not the issue. Yeah, I think it's so unlikely that he stays so unlikely but uh you you don't care you're gonna be in la half the time you're gonna see him there yeah but no, I'm, i can't root i can't root for the clippers so i um no i think there's a chance this is there's i think of all the players that i've talked to that they it's you know for everybody on twitter who rips drake for drake's involvement the thing is this the raptors aren't the raptors without drake drake changed the complete mm-hmm. um feel of this team the, the way the nba players feel about toronto now it's completely different and it's one million percent because of drake and and people don't want to admit it but drake is the reason the raptors are of course messiah is an amazing manager but drake's the reason why this place is exciting for other ball players and uh and 
So I think that if Kawhi stays, Drake would be a, Drake, Drake's going to play a role. Do you think oh. that 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 if he decides to depart, they go into full rebuild mode, or do they actually try and run it back? Uh, that's a great question, man. I don't know. I think if they win the title, he leaves because if, if Raps win, he's given us everything he needs to give. Then he can go play in his hometown. Um, but then that's a really good question. I I think that the Raps always their philosophy, at least from my information and when I've talked to some of the higher ups, there's some really great kids out there that get drafted. He's like, we don't have to try to get them in their first year. Let's wait for another team to develop them and we'll get them when they become free agents. So Masai was thinking the free agent game the whole way. And this this um, this um this Gasol-Kawhi partnership has been so pa- impactful for them. And of course, Pascal, who's, you know, the most improved player. Um, I, I don't know that you can rebuild this. You win mm-hmm. the title, like, you, you, you got to go for it again. Yeah. But what if you flame out in six or seven games in the East Final and lose yeah. your best player? Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a really tough thing. That's yeah. a really yeah. tough thing. All right. Well, we'll have to wrap it up there, guys. All right. Thanks, guys. All right. Always a pleasure, guys. Okay, bye. Talk to you later. Yeah. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.